the Rangers have some young hitters and the Cleveland Guardians have some young pitchers. I think it's about time these two teams made a trade. We're going to talk about all that more on this episode of Locked On Rangers and Locked On Guardians. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this podcast. Joining me today is Jeff Ellis, host of Locked on Guardians. Do a crossover edition. Talk about some hypothetical trades. Talk about some draft because Jeff is one of the foremost MLB draft experts in the world. And, and talk about the good vibes of Austin Hedges as well. Jeff, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty well. It, it's hard to... As much as Cleveland fans want to complain right now, I'm still, you know, enjoying the joy of winning the lottery. That is, uh, that still got me, you know, a little bit, uh, not, you know, part of it's being a fan and the part of it is just the amazing uh, uh, amount of attention it brought our way, if I'm being also a little bit mercenary with it. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's fun. I mean, for a team that really isn't expected to do much in the offseason, to win the lottery is probably the biggest thing that's going to happen um between now and the season starting yeah honestly i had completely forgotten about that the guardians are picking first the rangers are picking 30th um i am very happy with picking 30th and i, I could tell you as as a team that has moved up in the draft lottery in the only draft lottery that they have participated in it's it's pretty fun and it it can yield some some pretty good benefits and i, I want to talk about the benefits that yielded for the rangers last year not only did they win the world series but they also jumped up from 7th to 4th in the draft in a a draft of pretty clearly it seemed like five top players and with the fourth pick it seemed like the rangers might have gotten the best player in the entire draft in white langford i mean were you at all surprised by like the level of like progress he made in that what 3 month span of being a pro hitter I, I mean, I was I was surprised how quickly he moved. I, the, to me, the most surprising thing was the fact that he was still there at four. I, I listen. I like I, I like the prep players, um, but if I'm being honest, um, gosh, I'm, I, you know, here's the problem. I move on from one prep class to the next. It was, it was Max Clark, right? It was the guy yes. Detroit took. Um, mm -hmm. I had Clark sixth on my board. Um, I had Matt Shaw higher. If if I'm gonna do some a little bit of bragging of being the high man on Shaw after his, his first year. Um, and then watching him crash and burn now that I've said that, but I, I thought there was a clear top three and then there was a space and then there was kind of that next year. And, and I don't know what Detroit was doing. I, I don't care how you view it. You set it up. Um, they didn't really save that much. And you pass on a, if you're lucky, Max Clark becomes Wyatt Langford, but with maybe some better defense and center, uh it, if you're really lucky yeah and just on a side note having covered this thing for so long like max clark is a super physically mature high schooler the super physically mature high schoolers have not done well um because there's a weird thing like you think oh that's great but it's like because they're so physically mature they already have an advantage baked in it's the same thing with like if a guy's older right so they have, you know, go look what's happened with Clint Frazier is the classic example since like he was Popeye. And then, you know, he's unfortunately uh, I, I'm not going to get myself in trouble by making any comparisons there. Uh, but he's he's hit like uh, the guy who wants the cheeseburgers 
instead of hitting like Popeye. Uh, it's just, you have to look for a lot of ways things work. And when you have a clear top three, Wyatt Langford would have been the first overall pick in pretty much any draft of the last four years. You can't pass on those guys. Skeens, Langford, and Cruz were special. Uh, there's no one that compares to that in this year's class, even though I like this year's class more than the 2022 or 2021 as of right now, that can always change, uh, college groups. He's just, he was special. He was a clear 1A type in last year's class. You were lucky that there were three 1A types and somehow one got to four. Uh, so I, I think really Rangers fans should be thanking the Tigers front office every day for that. Oh, I, I am thanking them literally every single day. I mean, the fact that things, I mean, so many things have not gone the Rangers way, especially in like many drafts. I mean, recently they, they're having a good track record. Their 2020 draft is looking really, really good mm -hmm. right now. I mean, the first opposite of Cleveland. Is, uh, yeah. It's looking like the first round pick was maybe the worst pick of that. And, and that's going to be a probably pretty solid big leaguer. I think at least three to five year career in Fosview. There's a home somewhere. Yeah. Um, maybe in one of these fake trades that I keep trying to trade him off in. Um, but I mean, Evan Carter and, and the two guys who they, they traded in to JC and, and Roby for Montgomery. And I mean, that might hurt a little down the line, but it doesn't really matter because you got a ring. So who cares? Um, but man, I mean, yeah, that's just like crushed. That just, they just crushed it. Like that's that as good as this one is. It's hard to top that 2021 where it's like, Almost every pick worked out, which again, as opposed to the Guardians, who uh, we got Logan Allen. Oh, he's, and, he's solid. And, and then you, we can just move, move on from the rest. <laughs> hey, one out of five. Honestly, that's that's solid for a draft that well, was. They, oh my god! They had six and two first oh. rounders, and Logan Allen oh. was the second. Um, so well. You know, Car Carson Tucker is is on his way to maybe being the worst first round pick they've ever made in terms of uh, level he's reached. So there's always that going for him. Uh, this team drafts pretty well for the most part, but 2020, um, Logan Allen. You know, they didn't. Ch uh, Tanner Burns was free to a, a good home, and everyone told me he's going to get taken in the Rule Five, and then he didn't. And the high school kids really haven't separated themselves, and uh, they kind of weirdly doubled down by trading for, um, Isaiah green and that Lindor deal to get even more guys in the 2020 draft who won't make it to the big leagues. So, well, there is one guy in that 2020 draft who uh, I am not going to be included, including in any of these trades. And that is of course, uh, young Evan Carter. And that is one the Rangers were patting themselves on the back for that entire draft class. They were, um, so proud of themselves immediately after. And, uh, me and my, uh, often, uh, frequent guest grant schiller who, who writes for baseball perspectives we were both just laughing at them after the 2020 draft because the evan carter pick i mean what did you see from the evan carter because you've covered the draft for forever did you know anything about evan carter going into that draft almost nothing like he was one of those guys listen i i was like well i, I wasn't a casey schmidt guy some people were really high on him so like the pick before that i was kind of like well that's you know i go oh that's like a take it out third or fourth round in my opinion in the second round you know they're gonna pay him and then evan carter came up and i was like oh that's you know he's i don't have a ton here and then immediately went broke caraway who was the maybe the best reliever and jt gain and freddie samora and mason Wynn and cole henry and then logan like so that was a pick that like not only did i not have a lot but then all the picks after it were people i knew well so i just rolled over it like if i'm being honest that was a picker i'm like evan carter like I, I gotta, like, it wasn't top of my head. I have to dig into my notes. And then everyone after him was someone I had stuff on. So you, you could probably do a search and I probably didn't even like say anything about that pick in the second round, just because I was like already rolling to the next group. Cause the whole, I mean, the whole next group was like, you had two guys who had first round talk about, you had a two way player, you had all this stuff. So 
I was just kind of, uh, I, I immediately rolled past it. And it was one of those things where, especially because the, it was, it was such a, I don't know if I want to say deep, it was a well-known college group in spite of the COVID year. Like that was a heavy college class. And he was a guy that, listen, there are some people I'm sure knew him well, but Tennessee is, is getting better for high school prospects. It is better in Ohio. And there's one to two good guys every year, but, um, I didn't have a lot of people telling me like, Oh, you got to check out Evan Carter. And by the way, the only other player ever taking from his high school, uh, from Elizabethton, it was, uh, Ricky Carriger, a right-handed pitcher taking the 11th round in 1975. Wow. So yeah, not, not exactly a hotbed. Well, uh, there is another famous, I don't, I don't know if you know this connection cause you don't live in Dallas. You don't hear it all the time, but, uh, there is another famous, uh, DFW athlete from Elizabethton, Tennessee. It is Jason Witten. Oh, the for, former tight end. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who is now okay. a high school football coach in the uh, uh, area. Yeah. Didn't he play University of Tennessee too? Right. Yes, That's he did. Right. Yes, so, he did. Yeah, he is a pick, maybe. That was, uh, I used to, used to be have, a football guy. Until, I have no uh, idea. I don't know. He was, he was a pick and he was very good. And I, uh, Evan Carter also. Yeah. Very good. So See, far. Cleveland is terrible at all sports for most of my life. I'm in my forties. <laughs> you know, we had the LeBron run. Other than that, like everyone knows about the football history. Uh, the baseball team. Hey, it's been, I've had two great runs. Just haven't won anything, but I, I always joke Cleveland isn't a sports town. It's a draft town. Hope always brings eternal. <laughs> I, you know, why do I write about the draft? Cause I was like raised on it as like, Hey, this is what we watch. This is what we can get excited about. And then you just slowly get depressed as the year goes on <laughs> and the picks bust and no one works well. And, and the team is on to its new head coach. Uh, that was, that's pretty much how it works. But yeah, I, uh, I do remember Jason Witten. I did not know that that was his, uh, original uh location but yeah it's uh i guess it pays off in Texas. yeah it, it does it definitely does and i mean evan carter is uh the future is looking very bright in texas for their young hitters and uh not so much on the pitching development side coming up we're going to look at a potential trade that could benefit both of these teams all right this word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by fanduel score early this nfl season with FanDuel. New customers get $150 on, in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. It's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and has a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can bet on you know, the other teams uh, in our market. You can bet on some uh, Cleveland Browns football if you're feeling if you're feeling spicy, if you want to bet on some, uh, you know, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers uh, basketball or some some Mavericks or Cowboys. They have all kinds of different lines. You know, like I said, go check it out at FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, the one thing that uh, this Rangers development staff has not done, well, for many years, they had not done a good job of developing talent at all. But it seemed like this year, everything seemed to click just the right time. I mean, in terms of homegrown players, the last, like, before this year, in the last, like, five, six years, the only real success stories were, well, Joey Gallo, Rugnodor, kind of, and, yep, that was that was pretty much it. And, <clears throat> I mean, it feels like overnight this this Ranger squad has, you know, a, a glut of of outfielders. I mean, right now I'm I'm thinking uh the the season starts with Evan Carter in left field, Dealey Tavares in center field, and Adoles Garcia in right field, and then maybe Langford is your opening day DH, or maybe it's Ezekiel Duran. But I mean, again, that's like five guys right there that are 
a lot of very good hitters. And there are some promising young arms, but again, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect unless you're in the Cleveland Guardian system because this is a team that has the secret sauce, the magic formula, whatever it is, they just keep churning out these very good pitchers and looking on Cleveland's baseball reference side of seeing, look at this rotation. Oh, here's a guy who's uh, 24, 28, 24, 28, 23, 28. Are you freaking kidding me? How, how how do you do this? How every single year? I I don't understand it, Jeff. Can can you? Is there some? Is there something in the water in Cleveland that makes pitchers be good? I you know I, I will start off by saying I was big fans of, of Owen White and, and Cole Wynn. Maybe you'll, you'll get something with those two. Um, oh, don't even was, say the name I, Cole Wynn. That's just rude. <laughs> I really liked both those selections. Uh, so so before you call me a draft expert, I should I should uh, show I'm not. Uh, I thought that was a heck of a draft with those two first two picks. Well, but, uh, to be fair with Cole Wynn, I don't think anybody knows what has happened there. Um, I still I'm having a lot of hope for the kid. Um, I mean, Cole Reagans was a former high school first round pick that everything just kind of randomly turned it on. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he can go to wherever Cole, Cole Reagans went last last winter and go figure out all of that. But uh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen twice. Yeah. Um, so I think the big thing is Cleveland knows what they are. And for the most part, uh, they stick to that. Now, they've had like last year, they took, um, I, th- I think it's Alex. I'm kind of blanking out. Clemmy. Uh, the left-handed pitcher in the second round, who's like not their type. So that was a little bit interesting because what Cleveland does well is find extra gear, clean up mechanics, add miles per hour. Um, one of the most, for me, infamous cases, and hey, this ties to Texas because they took him to Rule 5, was Kyle Dowdy, who uh, was actually part of a pretty terrible trade. Uh, it was uh, Willie Castro for uh, Kyle Dowdy and uh, Leonis Martin, as we are. Was it Martin or Ranger uh, too? Martin, yeah. Martin, yeah. Yeah. Who uh, you know, was supposed to help our outfield uh problem. That didn't happen. Um <laughs> his center field defense, though, that was that was really fun to watch. I don't know if he yeah. was still elite he, defensively. He, he, he wasn't when we got him. He oh. came for, he he was brought in for his bat. <laughs> he traded for him. Um, it didn't didn't go well. Um yeah. but Cal Dowdy, uh small guy you know like uh i got to know him in double a very smart he was always up tracking pitches uh built like um you can use some many terms very very strongly built uh young man uh but he came in throwing like 91 92 and within a month he was at 97 and it's like how do they do like cleveland works with guys cleans up mechanics they just they see the glitches and holes and the funniest thing about them is they're kind of ruthless about it like they will sit there for the longest time, it's like they would take anyone Cincinnati cast off because Cincinnati's development was so bad with pitching. It, it's very good now, but there was a period like San Diego. Uh, that was another place uh, more infamously in 2021 where they took three pitchers from the University of Florida, like in day two and just took their entire weekend uh, and top reliever. Uh, just saying like they, they can't develop. We'll fix these guys. Uh, it's it's kind of funny how they will just put it on front street. I mean, they don't say it, but you can see it in, in targeting organizations and colleges. Uh, so they, they, they know that they can, they're not the best at helping with command or control. So what they do is they find the arms like a, a Tanner Bybee, um, you know, is, is the classic example, right? Like he was low nineties, a uh, little bit older uh, at the time, but had been late developmental, went to a smaller college, uh, you know, we had him on our show last year and he said both in 20 and 21, he thought the Cubs were taking him for sure. And it said they took Luke Little and Christian Franklin. 
which that's gonna feel good if you're a Cubs fan out there. I'm not sure why they're listening to this crossover, but hey, um, never know, never know. But uh, yeah, he came in. All of a sudden, he's touching 97, touching 99, hitting 100. Uh, they just help clean up because, and we saw that somewhat with last year's draft. Like sometimes we're kind of reaching this point where it's more about traits and less about performance, and knowing that like most colleges are very poor at pitcher development, um, that they're going to have guys just focus on fastball use almost exclusively, even if it's not their top pick. That's what happened with Waldrip who ended up falling to uh, Atlanta last year. And w- Cleveland is very good about seeing guys that they're like, Oh, okay. We see, we can clean this up. We can work on this. There's ways to add. No, it doesn't always happen. I think they hope Mason Hickman from Bandy would do that from the 2020 class. And it, that, that hasn't occurred. I think they uh, thought Tommy Mace, who was their second rounder in that class was the first of those Florida arms uh, and now Leftwich and Frank Alamon have both passed him in the pecking order. Uh, so it's not perfect, but by making those swings consistently, you know, they're maybe getting one out of four and then you end up with a major league starter. And, you know, it's like I said, you look at that draft, uh, the current group, like Gavin Williams was a guy who had injury issues and was off some boards. So they took a gamble. They love to gamble on guys with bad health. Uh, that has been a, another thing because they're, it's like they know that they wouldn't get this guy unless they were had bad health. Like they they take those gambles in that way to try to get more elite uh, talent. You know, Bybee was a mid midday two pick because he looked like a fifth starter. Um, now he might be their ace. And uh, Logan Allen was a two way guy who uh, had you know there was a debate if he most people after he was drafted said he'd only be a reliever because his stuff wasn't good enough. And he hasn't really added that much as well but he's just effective and there's value in you know lefties don't have to throw 100 miles an hour yeah it really helps when they do um, yeah but <laughs> see i mean see cole reagan's yeah. see him exactly um man if if um who am i thinking of uh cody if cody bradford went to that exact whatever whatever uh you know core work that that um that Cole Reagans did in the offseason last year um and gained just a couple of ticks on his fastball. I, I think that might be the first half decent homegrown starting pitcher the Rangers have. Because I mean it's it's not just the Rangers haven't developed like top end front line starting pitching. That that's difficult for literally anybody to do. And there's like three teams that can really do it. it's like it's Cleveland, it's uh it's been Houston, Rays mm-hmm. and like Dodgers, Dodgers, maybe Brewers. Brewers done a pretty well. good job with the mag- I, I think there's a magic five essentially is what it feels like. Um, yeah. But like even just one, because the Rangers, I mean, right now where they are in their off season, they're not going to need to do a whole lot too. I would love to bring back Jordan Montgomery. It's looking like with the Bally situation, it, it it's going to affect how much they can spend, unfortunately, which uh, is, is really bad for the brand as I have been screaming, Oh wow. Look at those broke teams. It's so embarrassing. And then overnight my team becomes one of them. But like if they had just one more starting pitcher, where you felt good about being like a mid rotation guy, I would feel incredible about their chances of repeating next year or just developing like back end bullpen guys. Speaking of, there is one back end bullpen guy that the Rangers did develop that is currently in the Cleveland Guardians. And we're going to talk about that and some trades that have, or I guess one trade that has gone awry for these teams and then make a potential pick and see who the Guardians want for their outfield from the Rangers. Right after this, we're from our sponsors. Now, the Rangers, like I said, have a little bit of a glut of outfielders, and uh, there is one back-end guy that 
when we're talking about Guardians and Rangers trades, you of course have to talk about uh, the the great one inning from Corey Kluber, the hometown kid. A glorious inning that it was for Delano De Shields and Emmanuel Classe, which I don't remember your thoughts at the time of the trade, but my thoughts at the time, Morgan, it was so long ago that Morgan Price was still my co-host and we were both over the moon. We're like, the Rangers just fleeced them. What what's going on here? He must like his arm must like not be attached. That must be the issue here. Cause like there's no way they just got him for a relief prospect and and die on a shield as much as I love him. But like, did you think, oh yeah, no, this guy is not gonna hold up and we're gonna fleece him? I mean, I didn't think he would he'd fall apart the way he fell apart. Like at the time, the the interesting like I didn't love it, uh, if I'm being honest. Like there's some traits I love. This one, just because it's like it was a relief pitcher and those are always dangerous. But he was it was it was even clear at the time that class A was special. Um and having heard a few rumors about what they were discussing with the Angels, I was like, they were gonna get significantly more. Why did they do this? And it comes down to um, you know, they really liked class A. And and you see why, like uh, he, he had a, a horrible year by his standards last year. He was just, he was hot trash. You know, he had a ton of blown saves and ended the year with a 291 FIP 1.7 war, uh, 72 innings. And, uh, you know, I, he blew 12 saves, but he also had a bunch more and that was his, 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 you know, it was no good crud year that he had, uh, 44 saves and he had, um, blown, he blew 12. Now I, I went through and like looked up and like that 12 blown saves is more than like Cleveland's last five closers have blown throughout their career. So that was a high number, but he was still really effective. It's just weird. Did you, uh, did you look at what the Rangers bullpen did last year? Because uh, a three twenty two ERA and 12 blown saves who that would have been uh monumental for the Rangers last year. Yeah, he was. I mean, that's the thing though. He's, he was still awesome. Even in his down year, even though, and he's got an extremely team friendly contract and you know, it's it just the year before the problem is the two years before that was a 1.36 ERA and a 1.29 ERA. So when he had a 3.22 this year, everyone's like, Oh, he must be done. He's cooked, but he's, he's good for 70 innings a year. They're not just using him as a, you know, a closer. He's a guy who they are living and dying on that arm. And yeah, that one's, that is at the time we're like, Oh, they got, they got, uh Karen Chalk and they'll add him. That's gonna be elite eight ninth inning. Then they cut down on sticky substances and uh, you know, no, nothing's been proven. He just gets checked a lot and uh has not been anywhere near as effective basically from that moment forward. But class A has been excellent even in his down year, and Cleveland getting him locked in that contract has just given them so much surplus value. Uh listen, Kluber's probably the best pitcher of my lifetime in Cleveland. Um Sabathia, yeah, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but honestly, he was like more of a mid-rotation guy until those last few years where he finally broke out just in time for him to leave. Uh, you know, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Yankee. I don't think anyone should should doubt that in Cleveland um, as much as they may not want to hear it. And Cliff Lee was was fantastic at peak, but he wasn't here as long. Kluber was the guy. It was a freak injury, but he had shown some signs of wear and tear and really should be a cautionary tale for anyone with Shane Bieber because if Kluber had sometimes <laughs> some signs of wear and tear, Shane Bieber is like, if you turn around, you're going to like see his arm fall off. Like he has every sign of wear and tear uh, <laughs> there. Um, so yeah, it, it's that it's, that's one of Cleveland's most successful trades, but they do for the most part, well in trades like last year's Jones and Benson deal. Maybe not. We'll have to wait and see after one year, no one should call any trade. Uh, you'll just end up looking foolish, 
but most of their trades have, have worked out pretty well on the whole. So it's not uh, Rangers fans shouldn't feel bad. You could be, you know, the Padres who for Mike Clevenger, whose arm fell off, gave us Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrell, Austin Hedges, Joey Cantillo, who might be part of the rotation this year and has some of the best stuff of any pitcher in AAA. When you look at the advanced data scrapes that are available out there, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it, Rangers fans, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, it definitely could. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious of of the starting pitchers, the young starting pitchers in this Cleveland rotation. Who do you think is the most the most tradable uh, that that has value? Obviously, Cal Quantrill is probably um, pretty available, um, and Bieber as well. But yeah. again, those cautionary tales. What well, are these young guys? Do you think Quantrill is-, is now with Colorado? Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah they uh, they they got a 22 year old catcher in high A for him. Um, wow. So he, uh, Cal Quantrill, he just wasn't good a year ago. Uh, there's no other way around that. I, I think from that grouping, uh, Bybee's the one who's absolutely off limits. Yeah. You know, he just had the best guardian season by a rookie pitcher since maybe Herb score. Uh, it was just unbelievable. Gavin Williams has a really high ceiling as well. If things work out, it's probably Logan Allen. Um, he's a guy where the periphery stuff doesn't always match his performance, you know, Sarah's had a great article last year about like where stuff plus can kind of fail. And it's like guys who have a good, I think change up and throw a little lighter and the things like that can then be a little more deceptive. And I remember tweeting it, you know, and be like, um, so Logan Allen, he goes, yes, because <laughs> like, he wasn't included in the article, but he was just like, yes, no, that's, that's, that's another example. Uh, the one thing I'll say though, is like Cleveland has not had a steady lefty and their the last time they had a, a lefty in the rotation was, was Scott Casimir. So wow. even then it, it's hard. And I really like Joey Cantillo, but Joey Cantillo has a scary health injury, health injury, health history. So those top three arms are going to be hard to move unless they're getting something that like really moves the needle. Yeah. I'm curious of the Rangers outfielders, which are of, of the guys on their major league roster. Who, who do you think would you would be most interested in, in getting? Cause obviously Carter and Langford are, pretty much assuredly off the table you already have a pretty decent third baseman um and i don't think that cleveland's gonna be spending Corey seager contract money no. not that he doesn't already have a full no trade cost but i'm curious who of those young rangers hitters intrigues you the most you know it's see it's that hard thing where it's like you know tavares they they need more impact than him uh you know garcia is probably someone they're not moving after everything no. that happened um you know, I don't know how I feel about Duran yet. Um, you know, he probably needs to move somewhere to get a real opportunity. Um, but it, he also probably isn't enough necessarily on face value uh, for one of the arms. I, I don't know. I'm a be- I'm a big believer in both Tavares and Duran because I mean, what Duran did in the first half as basically an everyday short. Yeah. Like the Rangers don't make the playoffs without what he was doing. I mean, he was putting up like a 900 ish OPS for the whole first half, playing like legitimate good defense at shortstop, which was I was not sure about. I thought he was more of a second baseman. Um, he's got a cannon for an arm as well. Um, Just it's so weird that he played so many different not weird it's fantastic that he was so flexible yeah a lot of value in that but yeah you know that it's it's the tale of the two halves with him right like yeah 134 weighted runs created plus in the first half of 68 in the second half same yeah and you know it's like his bat pip 
well, 381, that's hard to maintain, but then he dropped to a 321. So it shouldn't be well, quite the yeah, fall apart that he had, but then because the thing with Durant, his power his, went away too. In the second his, half. his Babib's going to stay high because he hits yeah. the absolute crap out of the ball. Like that's the thing that, that was most impressive to me that I love the most about Durant is that like, no matter what level he's been at, he hits the absolute snot out of the baseball for a guy who is not that big, but he generates some, some pretty good exit velos consistently. And with Tavares, like the top end of his exit velos, he's not top tapping into that raw power as much as I think he could. Um, but when he gets a hold of one, like he hits it like 115, 116, like his his high end exit velos are crazy high. Yeah, he, I mean, he was, God, I remember being over at uh, at 24-7 and writing like my top 100 prospect rankings and like not being sure what to do with Tavares back in the day. Um <laughs> But, you know, he, he got it together, figured it out, and this year he kind of showed his value. But just it's that weird situation where, like, he you know, he's probably you're looking average to league average bat. And Cleveland, I think, really needs someone who can who can bring him a little bit more. And like, and that's kind of the problem with moving an arm right now is, like, is Duran someone that they feel like could be a starter? Is, and again, I mean, at the same time, we have Stephen Kwan and then, like, nothing in the outfield. So... Maybe the the bar isn't that high. Can I interest uh, you in a Dustin Harris, possibly? I, you know, he does. I was. I feel like I was looking at him this off season. Um, I think he statistically had a nice profile, just in terms of like mm. uh, opposite field, doing a lot of things like that. When I looked at the data, I think the one issue you'll run into with Cleveland right now is they are going to try to contend, and they're going to kind of want to if they're moving one of these young arms. They want uh, major. They want, yeah, they want someone they know is a major league player who can step right in, and that that's kind of I think what they're, and that that's also where, you know, I I don't know what's what's going to happen with Bieber. It, I I actually don't think they're going to trade him, so wait for him to be traded tomorrow, just because. <laughs> and for fans who don't follow Cleveland, Bieber spent two of the last three years missing half the season. His velocity was down. He missed pitch. Um, he couldn't strike. He had his strikeout rate was tied with Kyle Gibson a year ago. Uh, so, and his best pitch when he was, uh, you know, Cy Young winner was that curveball that he just either can't throw, can't grip, or doesn't trust. He's not using it anymore. So he's kind of a mess. So for as much as like everyone kind of leads with Bieber, if you dig into the numbers and the story, I don't know who's gonna, what you're gonna give up for him. The, you know, Cleveland's in some respects, I compared it today, the Jordan Montgomery situation, like you might be better off trying to fix him. And I mean, Texas paid a lot for Montgomery. They gave up two prospects. I love to death. In that and deal. Chris Stratton and yeah. Chris Stratton. Don't forget <laughs> who just got what, like $8 million in uh, agency. It was five mil five. Okay. Joining, so. joining Will Smith on the uh, 2024 world series champion, uh, Kansas city Royals. Yeah. No, our listeners are like, Hey, the Royals are spending money. I'm like, yeah, is that what we do? We really want to follow the Royals example of anything uh, over the last <laughs> decade. Uh, Royals fans will trade with Cleveland fans since that World Series. It's not that that's not up for debate. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it, for Cleveland, it, it's kind of figuring out. And what's interesting, I guess, with the Rangers in general is you guys have so many hitters. It's like, who's going to end up at DH? Are they going to, you know, reach anything external, internal, who's available? And then like the next wave hitting is going to be fascinating. Um, yeah, it's that's where part of me is like, OK, so where are they going to 
where are they going to play everyone? You know, I remember yeah. ta- contacting you during the season and it's like, well, if we assume Garber leaves, that opens up DH. They may not have to trade anyone. They, you know, it's like, <laughs> they, you know, they may not have to sign a single hitter this offseason, no. which is, well, they'll probably sign like one or two, like maybe bring Jankowski back. But like, I think like Fa- Foscu, like we talked about him, it's like he's, he's ready to play and he's one of the few 20, he might be the only college hitter from the 2020 class who has not gotten the big leagues yet. It's just because there's no the space, not against him. It's not like he's underperformed. It's not like he's yeah. done a poor job. It's just, well, where do you put him? Exactly. Um, but this was uh great talking with you. Great. And hearing yeah. about the secret sauce in Cleveland about their pitching staff. And Hey, maybe if the Rangers learned how to figure out how to, uh, you know, develop pitchers half as well as Cleveland, then whew, 2023 would just be the start of a long, long run. But Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Rangers baseball.